0: Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is
1: advised.
2: Welcome to this issue 47 of DC Primetime. I love the fact that we have like, I don't know where it came from, but like now we have the Primers nickname. I don't know how it happened. I think we just started it like a couple weeks ago and it just kind of stuck. Yeah, I think it did. And it works. It works. It definitely works. Uh, but again, this is issue 47. All the shows are back in full swing. However, this week... We're going to take a break on Gotham. We do know that the uh, the episode, the last episode before the end of, before April, when the show returns, did air, but um, we're going to take a little break. We're going to talk about it next week, but that's because we are going to talk Powerless this week, which debuted, uh, as well as we have a guest, but before we do that, our introductions uh, from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck.
1: And from Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, dear God, my brain's not working. The reason for that. I'll explain in a second. Um, But yes, uh, from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods on the Next
2: Level Network, I am Rob Martin. And Rob, why don't you tell our listening audience who our guest is this week?
1: Ah, yes. So joining us this week is the second contest winner. We got Shad join us last week, uh, but one of the other big community members. And if you've been on Facebook.com slash DC Primetime, I guarantee you've seen his name many, many times. And that is Jackson Howard. Welcome aboard, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Awesome. Well, right off the bat, because whenever we have guests on, we like to do one thing very special, which is get to know people that are on the show just a little bit. And uh, obviously, you know, it doesn't have to be a DC thing, even though that's what we're usually talking about here. But uh, as far as comic characters, who is your favorite?
0: Uh, Dick Grayson in all capacities. Um Anything Dick Grayson does, I am
1: a follower of the gospel of Grayson. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice.
1: Uh, so I gotta ask them because it's Dick Grayson, so what is your favorite role for him? Uh was it the recent secret agent Grayson or uh, you know, uh him sporting the cow, Nightwing, or Robin? Um, um actually I like Dick Bats when he was when he was Batman and Damien was
0: Robin. I thought it was a excellent dynamic, a kind of a role reversal from him and Bruce. I
1: thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I gotta say that was probably one of my favorites with him too. Uh, that the wonderfully written, you know, what was it? that was uh, All Star, right? No, not All Star. Dear God, no, it was just Batman and Robin. That was Graham Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah Graham, Graham Morrison, Morrison. yes, with the flamingo, yes, that, that yes. arc. Yeah, fantastic run, and yeah, you're right. It was a it was a very chatty Batman and a very brash Robin, and it was just a fun switch up. But yeah, one of the best. Uh, so, out of these shows that we talk about, which one is your absolute favorite currently running? Oh the flash hands down this uh, uh any re-
2: smart man oh go ahead.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, um, well, I don't know there's uh we got a couple couple big new runners this season, I think uh that have a high chance of potentially overtaking flash for myself, but uh, I can definitely understand flash, so out of all the seasons, what is your personal favorite Probably the first season, I think has
0: probably been my favorite season so far, uh, this flash. The- Just
1: because of reverse flash or?
0: Um, Well, I I think the consistency of the season from beginning to end was super solid. And um, the Zoom stuff was good last year. It kind of lagged at times. Um, And this year has been pretty good. If they keep going on on the way they're going now, I think this season may, may be my
1: favorite in the end, though. Okay. Yeah, Uh, so actually, if you can recap for everybody listening that maybe does not jump onto the Facebook page, uh, you gave us a theory. And I'm starting to believe your theory more and more, uh, especially after the last week or so. Uh, So do you want to recap that for everybody really quick? Oh, for sure, no problem. Um,
0: I believe that the Flash prophecy um, that one will die, one will betray, and one will suffer a fate worse than death is referencing the West family with Wally being the one that betrays um, Iris being the one that dies quote unquote and Joe being the one that suffers the fate worse than death by his daughter dying and his son betraying the Flash family Um, and also I believe that Wally is a Wally is Savitar um, a future version of Wally is Savitar so I think the obsession with speed and being faster than Barry will play out in this season, I mean, we already see the the hints of it now, and I just think it'll progress to where Wally will be Savitar.
1: Yeah, I think we can dive into that a little bit more when we talk about this week's episode of Flash. So, I think that's a I think that's a very solid theory at this point in time. Um, but anyway, Ben, why don't you get us kicked off with the bullet point?
2: Well, did you want to tell everybody why your head was hurting a little bit before we jump oh. into that?
1: yeah i guess i can do that Uh, you don't have to if you don't want to oh yeah i totally can so uh so if i see off tonight um i am off of a concussion from two days ago so (laughs) due to drunken shenanigans (laughs) in a very large ball pit (laughs) with about 12 other friends uh when we were away in jersey but uh it was it was well worth it i would say uh except for the crippling vertigo yesterday and uh Going to work this morning, not only being tired from the convention, but sitting there staring at my job and just being like, I don't know what I'm doing because I can't concentrate because my head hurts that badly. So it was just been a lot of confusion on my part today, and I'm not sure that will go away as we record. So but uh, so bear with me, please. So so Jackson, if if I screw up, it's all your fault. (laughs) <laughs> I'll, I'll take it i'll ride with it hey we okay.
2: blamed we blamed it on shad last week so yes it, yes it's only fair so, that we blame it on jackson this week
1: yes but you you can <laughs> pick up my slack for being for being a, a drilling moron tonight so um so that's quite okay so it's good timing for you being on good timing. <laughs> but that Uh, is also my fault that why we're not doing gotham is because uh i would have watched stuff yesterday but uh i came home and just drooled on the couch for the rest of the night so and you would have probably been
2: doing the same thing had you been watching gotham so it's okay
1: (laughs) very very true from what i heard (laughs) um but i mean i let's we'll be honest though i do i did hear a lot of positivity from people out of this week's episode of gotham i just want to make sure I'm not cramming it in just to cram it in, and not being able to really concentrate on it. So I do want to get a chance to watch it this week, and we will talk about it next week. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll figure we we'll, we'll give it to, uh, give it a shot at, uh, at Redemption, but I don't think it's gonna happen.
2: We'll, we'll find out next week, yeah, because, I mean, we'll talk about it in more detail next week, but uh, I, I said that it was a good episode. Jackson, I think you agreed with me that it actually was a good yeah. episode this week. So, But whether or not it saves the show from this point forward, uh, we'll talk about it next week.
1: Um, Actually, we can just say it now. They announced another CW show, so uh, probably not. (laughs) That's right.
2: I forgot about that. We'll talk about that in the news a little bit later on. (laughs) All right. So, uh, But yeah, so let's move forward and let's hit the DC bullet points. This is where uh, we didn't do this last week. Our format was a little wonky last week. And we didn't really realize it until afterwards. But uh, back to the regular format, we had the Disney bullet points where we give each of the shows this week our one of three rating, that being sidekick, hero, or legend. Uh, Starting off first with Supergirl Season 2, Episode 10. Uh, We'll start with our guest, Jackson, this time around. Jackson, would you give this one a a sidekick, hero, or legend?
0: I'm going to go with the hero on this one.
2: Okay. Uh, Rob, how about you?
1: I'm definitely gonna mirror that that thought process. It was a fun episode, um, but you know what? Something I, you know again. I'm I, I'm gonna go back to a, a new source that I really like, and because the writers of whoever does the reviews seems like they just kind of follow our mindset. That's IGN. Something was missing from a Livewire uh, episode, and that was Cat Grant, and that felt kind of big. She always has kind of been a big proponent to Livewire being in the show, so. Yeah, I think that kind of it showed some of the cracks, and it was the first time that. Uh, and I'll echo their statement in the way that they said it was the first time she was really felt like she was being missed in this in this season, and I think it was here. So, okay, I'm gonna say uh, yeah, stick with the hero,
2: right. Jackson. I didn't mean to cut you off too, if you had more to say.
1: Oh no, it was um,
0: it was good, it was solid. It just like like I said, it felt like something was a little a little off, like it was a missing an ingredient. I totally agree with that mindset.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm on board with that as well. Uh, I'm giving it a hero. I honestly, though, uh, my mindset, I actually didn't feel the Cat Grant missing the element that you guys are. I didn't really think about it, to be honest. Um, But I still gave it a solid hero. I thought it was a good episode. I didn't think it was great, and I didn't find it lacking. I thought there was definitely some plot points that moved along that uh, I'm looking forward to talking about. Uh, Next up, we have The Flash uh, season 3, episode 11. Rob, we'll go with you on this one. Sidekick, hero, or
1: legend? Legend. Uh, if only just for the quick fight. And I do stress quick fight between Gypsy and uh, Cisco there, but um, just them throwing each other through portals to other worlds made that episode just so goddamn memorable. And uh, I can't wait to break that down a little bit more when we break down the episode. But
2: yeah, that gets alleged. Ditto. And this show, uh, this episode for me also had another runner up of Line of the Week this week. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But Jackson, how about you?
0: Make it three. It was excellent. The Return of Cisco. So it was very, very good.
2: <laughs> yep. So we worked for me. Uh, Legend all the way around for The Flash as well. Uh, Next up, we have Legends of Tomorrow Season 2 Episode uh, 11. No, it's Episode 10. Sorry. I was too far ahead in my list of episodes. Uh, Season 2 Episode 10. Uh, I'll start this one off. Uh, I'm actually going Legend on this one um this one had a different twist in that the focus was more on the legion of doom this time around than anybody else and the interactions between everything were were fantastic and we got a character finally coming out of the woodwork that we'll talk about when we break it down in which um pardon my french but uh when we interviewed mr teddy sears earlier this week called him a straight out motherfucker so um, Jura- Jurassic Flash <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Flash yeah that could work uh, but I'm giving this one a legend uh, Jackson how about you I'm
0: also going to go legend it, honestly this made me feel like a kid it felt like a badass Saturday morning cartoon um, it was great it was really really good the dynamic with the LOD was hilarious and badass at the same time it was
1: great
2: yeah uh, Rob?
1: I gotta say, I'm gonna echo again on on this one with you guys, uh, going legend. This was, I think, my favorite episode of this show ever, and I love the fi- the fact that we finally got reasonings on why these characters are really together. And the way that they're actually just functioning. I think it was great to even have, I think, the best moment of this, too, when you could tell this was gonna be a unique episode, when Damien Dark did the intro of the episode. Damn and it! Even you stole one of like, my notes!
2: Ah, uh, it's okay, it's okay, <laughs> it's... it's,
1: it's But I just love that we even got the logos of their characters, you know, showing up in the uh, in the the Legends of Tomorrow logo. That was such a cool twist. And uh, I I love the fact that they did that. But they had so much fun with this episode. And it's proving why this show is a force to be reckoned this season.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Next up, we have Arrow Season 5, Episode 11. Uh, And we'll send it back over to Jackson on this one. Jackson, sidekick, hero or legend.
0: I'm going to go with a hero on this one, actually. Um, I thought it was a a fairly decent episode. It just didn't grab me like I I expected it to.
2: Uh, Rob, how about you?
1: I am going to go hero. Um, I really love where they were going last week. Except for that little stinger at the end of the episode. And we got, got to see that play out this week. And, uh... I, I'm having some problems here with the, the 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 handling of the Black Canary stuff right now. Um, I think the episode was fun. There was a lot of great character interaction. It's got another runner-up, and actually, you know what? I think it's going to actually get my line of the week, and I'll bring it up a little bit later, coming out of Renee. Uh, but yeah, it's this show is doing a good job. It was still a fun episode, but uh, they're they're making a couple missteps by trying to fix a mistake of last season.
2: All right, I'm going to change things up a little bit, and I'm going to go off the beaten path. I am actually going to give this one a low-end legend. Uh, there was definitely a, quite a few things about this episode I enjoyed, I, and I enjoyed them. There were more things I enjoyed than there were things I disliked. So, um, yeah, low-end legend for me as well. And for the first time in the bullet points, and we're going to jump right into discussion on this right after we talk about this one. But we had the, power, the powerless pilot uh, show up so... We're going to throw this into the mix for a little bit until we find out how the show lasts and how, show, how well the show is doing. Uh, but uh, sidekick, hero, or legend on this one. I've gotten, again, again, a little bit of a difference this time because this is a sitcom. It's not a full hour-long drama, so you're probably not going to hear us talk about this as much after this week. We'll probably spend a little bit of time on it this week, but not nearly as much next week because it's a 20-minute long show. For us to spend 20 minutes on a 20-minute long episode, we might as well just do live commentary for the whole thing. Which we've actually thrown around. Yeah, we might actually do that. We might so. actually do that uh, as something separate. Uh, but I'll kick this one off. Um, I'm going to go Hero. It was a good opening. Um, it There were definitely a lot of great one-liners that came out of this. My line of the week, as well as a number of uh, runner-ups came out of this. Uh, and definitely some cool little Easter eggs into the, uh, the DC Universe. But yeah, I'm going to go Hero on this one. Uh, Rob, how about you? Uh, I'm going to go hero as
1: well. And I think um, this also is because it, it suffers from a little bit of the pilot pilot disease that you get. And especially because they changed what the show was going to be after the pilot was already shot. So it feels like they kept some of the footage from the original idea and then reshot sequences to work with the new dynamic. So I think that actually kind of you could feel that in a couple moments. Um, Especially with uh, our lead character, I can't even remember her name to save my life. Um, but we did see, even when they were doing flashbacks about her life in the past, you know, her even you know showing her in an insurance company. So it made a lot of sense for her to be there from an insurance company, or you know, working with an insurance company. That made a lot of sense, and it didn't seem like to make any sense in the context of this pilot. It was just found they found ways to cut this footage back in. And I think that was a lot of the sequences you got to see with, uh, you know, Alan Tudyk's character. I think that's why that felt a little disjointed as well. But I will say, really good premise. I think it could be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes in the next couple of weeks.
2: Okay, and we'll wrap it up and bookend it. Uh, Jackson, how about you? I'm
0: going to shake it up a little bit. I'm going to go a low-end legend. I hit all, hit all the buttons I really was looking for. Um thought it was pretty solid as far as pilots
2: go okay cool um yes yeah, so, <clears throat> so let's jump into the secret origins then and we'll break down uh powerless a little bit more then we'll jump back into our regular shows this is um i don't know if i've ever brought this up on the podcast before but anytime a new show premieres i have a little bit of a system in that i give any new show three episodes uh and my my basic reasoning behind that is that the pilot, they always want to try and suck you in with the pilot. The second episode usually tends to drop off a little bit unless you're extremely lucky. But by the third episode, they have to start bringing you back in. If by the third episode, they're not bringing me back in, I usually cut it out. Um, Gotham was an exception to the rule. I actually should have uh, stopped after the third episode, but I gave it to about six and then I stopped. Uh, So I'm kind of hoping Powerless brings me back um, not that I'm disappointed by it at all. I, it's just, I, I hope that by the third episode, we're going to start, the ball's finally going to start rolling with the show and we're going to see more about it. Um, but I mean, a couple notes that we have to see that the city, the, um, the city that the show takes place in is charm city, which I looked into it a little bit. Anytime I get a reference that I'm not sure about, I always look into it. Charm city is actually a new city to the Atlas of the DC universe. Yes, the show has uh, created it specifically for this show. Uh, And as we found out multiple times through the episode, it is a taint. (laughs) It it is a taint in the DC universe uh, in which things happen all the time that affect people. So that's why we're doing this. Uh, But I will say one of my favorite things about this episode, and it was one of the things that really drew me in right from the beginning. Nobody's mentioned it yet, so I'm kind of glad. Um, is the, the opener? Op- Damn it, you <laughs> suck! Uh, the opener of the show, and and for two different reasons. I loved the opening credits with the classic comic books and having the characters kind of snuck in the back. I think that spoke what very loudly about the premise of the show. But come on, Adam West as mm-hmm. a voiceover for the show. I hope that continues.
1: Yeah. Uh, I got to say that, but yeah, I agree. That was one of the first things I wanted to talk about, too, is the opening credits was one of my favorite opening credits for a show ever designed. It it was so unique, and I love that they used so many iconic covers, and we're just zooming in, and obviously they redrew some faces in the background to make work with their their main cast, and that worked so well. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, I'm in. I'm like, I will give this its season. Um, you know, I will happily give it a season just to tune in every week to watch that opener.
2: And I'm kind of so. I'm kind of hoping that the Adam West opening in the beginning, because we we hear him talk about, you know, uh, Wayne Securities and he talks about one of their products, which is the Joker antitoxin. I kind of hope every episode starts with him talking about another product mm-hmm. that I do too. that Wayne Securities offers. Um, but, uh, Jackson, we'll turn it over to you for a minute. What were some of the because you gave this a low end legend? What were some of the other things about this show that you? that made it stand out and gave you the legend.
0: I have a, I have a very weird um, deal with comic book shows or movies. I've, the brighter, the the brasher they are, like like a comic book, I, I tend to enjoy them more. This was – it reminded me of Pushing Daisies kind of. It was, it was like a heightened sense of reality. Everything was bright and everybody was over-the-top campy. It just it, – it was fun. It was a whole lot of fun to watch. And, of course, all the little Easter eggs and little fan service moments – then he made me giggle a little bit on the couch, you know, hang out. So it was it was it was enjoyable like that. All, all the little background stuff and the humor, of course.
2: Yeah. And and I, I like the fact that we got two characters out of the DC universe that, let's face it, if it weren't for this show, would have never found screen time.
1: Jack-o'-lantern know. and Crimson Fox. lantern and yeah. Crimson Fox. You guys and don't Crimson love Fox. Crimson Fox? She's not your favorite? I love Crimson Fox. <laughs> My favorite.
2: I never even um, knew who either of these people were before well, this show. You know
1: what? <laughs> Big props, though. We got Starro in the background of the episode, ah. man. And it was a quick couple seconds and you, like, blink and you miss it moment, but that was just great.
2: Yeah. Something that about green... that
1: just made, made me smile. Was that a Green Lantern beam that killed Starro? That's it, what I thought. It kind of looked like it. I wasn't quite sure, but very well could have been the case. But, uh, yeah, this this the fact that you saw Starro explode across, you know, the main character's window. Uh, this, this makes you smile, and it's hard not to, uh, just really just enjoy what the show is doing the more moments it gives us like that i think it, this could be something really special
2: yeah um I, one of the things that we already mentioned too that's definitely a highlight of the show is the one-liners that came out of this show uh there were a ton i mean there were a number that were my um runner-up line of the week my line of the week actually did come from this show um but I, and i think rob you you're using the one from arrow correct
1: I am going to switch mine over to Arrow, yeah. Okay,
2: so am I the only one using Line of the Week from the show, or Jackson was yours from the show, too? I
1: have, I have one from this. Oh, that's right, you too did. Too.
2: And yours was actually one of my favorites and one of my runners-up, too, that I actually did uh, that, that I did say. But I know, like, just a couple of them off the top of my head with, uh, or, yeah, off the top of my head as I'm reading my notes. Um, Alan you text text messaging Bruce Wayne and showing Vanessa Hudgens his phone, and the first text message he reads is, Stop... Um, Stop using my HBO Go password, which I thought was hysterical. Yeah. Um, uh, how do I look like you don't understand how, to, how a phone works? Mm-hmm. Um, my line of the week, oh, with great power comes living in a taint. Again, we got the <laughs> the, the, the taint. Uh, but anybody who knows me and knows my, my absolute love, I sarcastically say, for Man of Steel would know what my line of the week is, and it's Ron Funches. His character. Uh, Now, we all know that the number one cause of workplace accidents is Superman crashing through office windows mid fight. That's a simple fact. Um, That's my biggest complaint about Man of Steel, and I love the fact that they used it in the show. So, uh, very obviously, a lot of tie ins into the DC Universe, and that's one of the things I'm looking forward to with this show, is just there are all these little tie ins. And I, I just can't wait to see what other ones there are. But uh Jackson, your line of the week is again another tie in to the DC universe. Yeah.
0: Well I have both had a runner up that um that also tied in the D C universe was um I believe it was Alan Tudic saying superheroes fighting each other for vaguely defined reasons. I thought that was <laughs> a yeah. nice little shot there. And but but my favorite of course was um Danny Pudi saying what do you mean to do? Call down a wizard? Shazam! I thought that was simply brilliant. It was awesome. Yeah.
2: Um, what are some of the things? I don't. Again, we don't want to spend too much time on this, but what are some of the things about the show that kind of maybe turned us off a little bit, and are maybe a little worrisome to us as far um. as the
1: future? Well, I, I think one of the things is that right now I feel like Danny Puty's lost in this cast a little bit. Okay, uh, you which,
2: touched on a point he, I wanted to. He's one of
1: those people I expected the most from, and the fact that he's just, dr- I mean, just dry, just the sake of being dry, because we know this guy is just fantastic in physical comedy, voices. We saw this all in community. I mean, like, this man can do so much with so little, and it feels like they didn't give him a script that he can stre- stretch his comedic legs in. Uh, I feel like he... I think we need to see a lot more from him still. And I think, again, this is a big part of it is because it is an indie, a pilot, and let's even go back and look at Community. I mean, Community had a rough start as well. It wasn't until, you know, three or four episodes in that that show figured out what it was going to be. So I think that this is something that, again, it's 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 a little bit of a pilot issue more than anything else. Um, but I would have loved to have seen a lot more from him. Uh, and I, As much as I love Alan Tudyk, uh it, it felt like he was tapping into characters that have already been played and done out there and i would have loved to have seen him try something a little bit different instead of being so over the top just for the
2: sake of it being over the top um yeah i kind of share your thoughts a little bit on danny Pudi too um to me and i have this written down as a note it, it feels like he almost it feels like abed left greendale to go work for wayne securities Um, Not
1: even, though, because I love Abed from Community. I didn't care about Teddy that much by the end of the episode.
2: So Okay, I I can see that. But yeah, I I kind of got a little bit of an Abed feel to it. But yeah, but not exactly Abed. So um, I don't know what they're going to do with his character. I hope they shake it up a little bit more. Um, uh, Jackson, how about you? Anything that kind of stood out that you would hope they kind of fix and they can improve on?
0: Yeah, I'm... I really hope the show shifts more to focusing on the lab and what's going on in there. I mean, I like Alan Tudyk, of course. I think he's hilarious. And I, and his secretary was also dry and funny as well. But I think for this show to really hit his stride, we have to see more of Ron Funches and Danny Pudi. And I can't remember the other girl's name, but, you know, she's, I think she'll be the physical comedian of the of the show. But the more they focus on them, I think it'll make the show a lot stronger. We'll just having Tudyk coming in and out with being bumbling, which is very, very cliche, but he's very good at it. So, but, but, but I think that'll get the show staying powers. They focus more on the lab and give them more to more expanded roles.
2: Yeah. Uh, I do. One other thing I did want to bring up before we moved on and, or anybody else had anything to, I love the fact that the show ends with uh, Bruce Wayne as Batman stealing the tech. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I I thought that was a, a great concept and it makes me wonder Almost as if there might be an overlaying storyline at some point in which these guys realize who Batman is.
1: That would be kind of funny if that's how you wrap up the first season. It's like, wait a second, our boss is Batman. Yeah. How cool is that? And if they got to season two, if they found a way to even just, you know, even if they pulled the Supergirl thing, it's just kind of like Bruce Wayne's in the office and you always see him from behind. And then, like, it's just papers being thrown around the office and, you know, like... You know van uh, you know van getting kicked around or something like that, like Bruce kind of being the bully to his cousin, that would be kind of funny like if they played that up in a weird angle and just had some fun with it um, and making it a reactionary thing to the people working there, I think that could be a blast. yeah, um, but I would love to see them every episode of its Batman steals one of their new tech um, that would just be this great ongoing joke, and I think that would work really well here.
2: I think another uh, good uh, – just to play off that ongoing joke with a little bit more, too, would be uh, if every time at the end of the episode Batman steals his tech, it's always to catch the Joker. Mm-hmm. Like ev- like he just constantly keeps getting away, and it's just that constant battle between the two of them, and he just keeps foiling Joker's plan with another bit of their tech.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that could be a lot of fun, but I, I think there, there's, there could be a really fun angle here. Um, I, like I mentioned before when we found out what they changed the show to – where it's kind of that better off Ted vibe. Um, I think that could work here. I think it could work really well. Um, And if they're able to harness a little bit of the office in here, a little bit of parks and rec, I think you could have something really special Uh, right now. It just feels like they're trying to pull concepts from both parks and rec and the office and they're not allowing it to be its own thing. So that's the only big, that's my biggest concerns and worries.
2: Yeah. Uh, Any final thoughts on powerless before we move on to our other shows? Well, I'm so looking
0: for, yeah I'll go I'll go ahead I was just going to say there there was a connection to the CW shows with the big belly burger sign in the background I thought that was a good touch
2: Oh, I well. missed that oh, I had, did too it was, Nice it, eye yeah, on that
0: <laughs> I watched it three times to make sure I was try to be ultra prepared
1: so I caught it, I caught <laughs> it on the doing so. That makes one of us <laughs> <laughs> yay <laughs> But no, I, I yeah no I I can say I I am sold I'm looking forward to it it was it was cute it wasn't amazing, but it was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, so agreed. So, uh, Alright, let's move on to the regular shows of the week then, and we start off with Supergirl Season 2 Episode 10, uh, titled We Can Be Heroes. When Livewire apparently breaks out of prison, Supergirl sets out to recapture her. Uh, and I think we were all across the board with a hero on this one. Um, so, I mean, a couple things worth noting. Obviously, one of the big elements that happen there's a couple big elements we have live wire um you know being a big part of this episode and we talked a little bit about how you guys feel there was something missing from the episode um we got mon el's first time in action we have guardians identity finally revealed to Kara uh and supergirl and also we have a big storyline with uh jean and magan so where to start with this one
1: um, let's, let's focus on Kara a little bit. Uh, I think, uh, one of the things that kind of stood out really clear in this episode was, uh, we got a couple, you know, reactions and responses from her that felt a little out of character. Uh, I mean, obviously her, you know, looking at, you know, James and kind of being like, you're gonna get yourself hurt and killed. You know, we've heard this before, but I can see her being almost maybe a little bit more accepting, especially after they have a bit of a heart-to-heart, um, and uh, yeah, she very much doesn't see it clear or that way, and uh, when mon kind of like, hey, this is what's going on, and her really kind of pushing back, and not what I expected from her, especially after the last couple weeks. So uh, I-, I think it was a little bit of a step backwards for her character direction-wise, and uh, I would have liked to have seen her maybe... I don't know, stand a little stronger in uh, her thought process instead of kind of going going in a more negative route to allow them to stretch on a couple of stories. So, um, yeah, a little disappointed on that end. But, yeah, that's, that's I think, the big thing for me right off the bat.
2: Okay. Uh, Jackson, how about you?
1: Um,
0: I also agree with him as far as Cara feeling a little off. Uh, to me, she felt almost manic at times. She felt, I don't know, just, just like something... I thought they were going to say something was wrong with her because of Livewire. It just her her character felt different than it had in the past, and she was very heavy handed with. The, now I have a nemesis. Now I have a nemesis. It just kind of it didn't seem to keep up with what she's been for the last two seasons. It, it, she just felt a little off to me as well.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a little misleading. I mean, because they did kind of hint at the fact of a relationship possibly blooming between the two between her and Monel as well. Um, And then at the end of the episode, we kind of get this, to me, and I don't know if other of you agree with me, felt a little too pretty and pinkish moment.
0: The most awkward moment. Yeah. In in the 80s, it was so weird.
2: I mean, even down to the music they were using in the scene, like it was almost straight out of an 80s movie. Yeah. It it was just a little awkward to me. Like, I didn't know what to think of it.
1: It makes me feel like they are so afraid to put her in a relationship because it could take something away from her as a character. And I just, I mean, they were doing such a good move when at the end of the season, I believed her and James at that point. And then we start off the season, they're like, nope, not happening. And then I'm like, okay, that seemed a little out of character and out of place, especially after an entire season long buildup. And they're like, hey, here's another relationship about to bloom. And the audience likes it. They're sold and... They're like, well, no, 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 we're, we're going to wait until the season's end or something like that. And I'm like, no, just do it. The one show thing that these CW shows have been doing really well is not stretching out the drama. And um, we've been actually praising them for it. And this is something I, this is something I felt like I, I hope within the next two episodes they just bite the bullet and be like, okay, this is the direction we're going to go. But if you have good writing, you're not damaging your characters. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Um... I want to jump over to the Livewire part of the episode, and I got to say, um, right off the bat, as far as this goes, I we've seen her a number of times in this role, and I didn't know what to think the first couple times, but it's more so after this episode, Dude, I'm totally sold on Britt Morgan as Livewire. She pulled off yes. this character really well. Uh, yeah, and, she
1: really does. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it
2: almost feels like like this is right out of the animated series. I mean, y- the only way you could get this better would be to have Laurie Petty do a voiceover. Yeah, um, but I think she does really well, even down to the sarcasm of the character. I mean, another line of the week uh, runner-up to me was uh, "This is copyright infringement, asshat." Yeah, it's that it, was good. It's it's right, and you know, and you're and telling Monel your cosplay sucks, like it's. It feels like it's straight out of the animated series, and I'm loving it. And I will say too that this episode, one of the things I have to praise this episode on is it did a really good job of misdirecting the premise of what li- of of the uh, the position Livewire was in this episode. Because I bought it the whole time that she escaped.
1: Yeah. Uh, And that was a nice little twist. I really loved it. Uh, And going back to what you guys were saying as far as like that whole, you know, I have a nemesis, I have a nemesis. I think that's where it was. That's that connection point that I needed. She's never been Kara's nemesis. She's always been Cat Grant's nemesis. Um, I mean, that's even how we got introduced to her was it was the the constant war between her and Cat Grant. That even happened in the crossover. Uh, The reason she came out of hiding to go after Supergirl was... They use Cat Grant as bait every time we've seen a, her on screen. It's because Cat Grant was involved heavily in one way, shape, or form. Livewire was always going after her, not Supergirl. So,
2: yeah, and I, th- I think it's um, I think Kara's probably under like the the mindset that this is somebody she's faced off with more than once, so it automatically makes her a nemesis. Uh, you know, yeah, not, I can see that. Not understanding what a nemesis actually is. Yeah. So, um. We talked about we talked about Kara and Monel. We talked about Livewire. Let's talk a little bit about. Oh, um, I, I want to say too, the beginning of the episode. Uh, d- speaking of Monel, a little bit too. I like, it, it, and unless I'm wrong about this, were the drones that they were fighting in the beginning from the ones right out of the uh, superhero fight club?
1: Yes, yeah, okay. they were. All
2: right, I, I wanted to be sure before I I went into that a little bit further. Um, but let's talk about Jean and McGann. Um, obviously we're seeing a big change in the relationship between the two of them, uh, a big switch in, you know, before, when this episode started, John thought of her as a war criminal and by the end of this episode, they are friends. And I think this is another thing, another moment where we're, we were anticipating a possible relationship. And I think we've seen news stories since then that this is going to bud into relationship. And I think this was the first step.
1: Yeah, uh, I can definitely say one of the things this season's been lacking is more David Harewood on screen. And, uh, man, they felt like they were saving it up for this episode because this was the version of John that we've been missing this season. Um, And I'm really happy we got it back. Uh, He was all heart in this episode again. Like, we got a little anger out of him in the beginning. But when we finally got that sequence where they did, uh, like, their little mind meld... uh, man that was it was such a great sequence it, it worked so well and i love the idea that he was like he's like i'm gonna need both of you here to make sure i'm okay going back to that you know you know father-daughter dynamic between the danver danvers girls and him and i loved seeing that again it's been a while since we've had that kind of on-screen chemistry between the three of them uh, i hope they don't forget to use that more and more going in, into the future and uh but yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh something with McGann and uh John now. I think it was it worked in so many levels.
2: Yeah. So. Um <clears throat> Any thoughts that Jackson that you have on this this premise between the two of these?
0: Um I'm very I'm very for it. Um I think he knocked out of the park this episode. He really encompassed the heart of the Martian Manhunter. he really he really felt like John Jones, like like reading John Jones Seeing John Jones on screen, I thought it was really good. Um, as far as him and McGann, um, I think this is the seed is definitely planted now for something later on in the season for sure. I think this was a a very big step towards the relationship for sure.
2: Yeah, uh, and I think we got a little hint too that <clears throat> you know McGann has said that the White Martians now know where she is, so. We're going to see more White Martians later on down the road. If not next, if not this week, I think we might be seeing a little bit of that. I believe it's tonight. Yeah. Uh, But the final thing, of course, we have to talk about is the big reveal to Kara in that uh, she now knows that James is guardian. Uh, His identity has been revealed to her, and this has caused a little bit of friction in their friend. It's a lot of bit of friction in their friendship um, where she's now accepting of the fact that he is guardian, but she's not happy about it at all hmm so oh you yeah, t- um, you breathed in i figured you were g- <laughs> you were gonna start talking i heard you in hand
1: I, I, i'm trying to think where my brain's going on that one i again i i think it's drama for drama's sake right now i don't think uh I, i'm hoping this doesn't this doesn't go on for too too long because the more and more i'm seeing him as guardian the more and more i'm loving it and i love that we get that speech again that very impassioned speech he's like i'm not meant to be anyone's sidekick i was the sidekick to superman i don't want to be the the sidekick to Supergirl." Um and it's him being like, hey, I want to be out there and doing good things. And it's that here's the line that drove me nuts. I just realized it. It was it's like, yeah, you're a mortal. You, you, you don't have superpowers. And I'm like, didn't you just deal with Oliver Queen just a couple weeks ago and a whole bunch of people that were just mortals? And they proved that you can do this. You don't have to have superpowers. So it felt like a it felt like they forgot that that happened. And uh, I know it's because, yes, they are on different Earths and all, but... She has been in the presence of mortals that have been able to fight just as hardcore as any superhero. So,
2: Well, but not only that, I mean, going into that speech a little bit, you know, she says, like, you know, if anything happens, you don't get a second chance like me or uh, me or Manel. But she later on in the episode, actually right before that. Now, I think it might have been after that. It is. It's after that. Towards the end of the episode, she flat out admits that Livewire could have killed her if she wanted to. You're not immortal either yeah you you have just as big a chance to die as james does i mean it might be a little easier but you have just as big a chance to be killed in the line of battle you're not immortal
1: yeah it's like i said it was it was still a good episode but there was some really lazy writing in this one i think um a little bit more than i've seen from them recently i think the john and McGann stuff was fantastic and flawless but and the live wire writing was really good. It was just, there was a lot of things in the in between that kind of fill up the story and make it whole that just fell flat.
0: Yeah. Um, Lin was really good as well. So, Lin was really good. Oh, yeah. As, as oh, well. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I do have a theory on Guardian, and maybe it's just because this is what I want to see and not because I actually think it's going to happen. Um, I think we're only going to see a very limited amount of time with James as Guardian. Uh, I think basically, I think we're, we do know that we're going to get a little bit more of the Cadmus stuff as the season goes on. I think basically James as Guardian is a way to set up the Guardian character. I think we're going to see the mantle passed on by the end of the season. Uh, and I think it's going to be who is originally supposed to be Guardian. Uh, and it, it's going to be more of keeping Cadmus under control.
1: Yeah, so, seeing James James Harper maybe step back into the mix.
2: Yeah, yeah. I could be wrong about that, um, um, but I, I've, I've, cool. I, it would be. And I think, I think that's what I at least like to see is that this is James um, as Guardian is going to be a very limited run.
1: I think it's a, there's a high chance that he. I, I think we, we may see him roll into another another position before season's end either that either that or maybe he might say you know what hell with this and just leave national city
2: yeah so uh any final thoughts on supergirl before we move on to the flash uh
1: you know i think that kind of covers it um i mean i'm looking forward to i like i said you know having a, a huge white martian presence again i think that could be a lot of fun and i think uh I think that's what they need to do. I think right now, if you're going to have a couple things is kind of hanging on the outskirts like this, um, maybe it's 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 a good opportunity to take a little bit of the break from some of the drama happening in the background and maybe shift some focus to Jean.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of that, the synopsis for this week's episode airing tonight, as we're rec- actually as we're recording this right now, uh, season two, episode eleven, titled "The Martian Chronicles," a white Martian called Arm comes to National City with the intention of bringing McGann back to Mars to be punished for her treason. So we're going to see more of that, uh, that White Martian storyline uh, this week, as a matter of fact. Uh, Let's move on to the next show. We're going to discuss that being The Flash. Season 3, episode 11, titled Dead or Alive. Uh, Barry Allen and Cisco Ramon must work together to save Harrison Wells from an interdimensional bounty hunter who seeks to kill him, as it is a crime on Earth-19 to transport yourself to another Earth. Cisco and Barry must fight against the bounty hunter in a fight to the death to save Harrison's life. Uh, Or HR. Let's be real about this. So... (laughs) Uh, quite a few things worth mentioning in this week's episode. Um, another, I will start it off right off the bat. I'm loving HR. I know I, I was, I was on the fence with HR, uh, as he first came in. But Rob, as you had mentioned before, it took me a little while to warm up to every other iteration that Kavanaugh has played. Uh, I am warmed up to HR and what sold me was look who has a vortex cannon ho 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 ho! ho. <laughs> <laughs> the moment he did that i was like yep i i love hr i'm sold
1: <laughs> and i love that opening that was such a great strong opening. and I'm like as that's all happening and he's doing he's like, oh god he's writing a book and then he brings himself in and i'm like yep he's writing a book
2: <laughs> can i just I say ju-
1: i want I- more of this i want more of this
2: yeah can i just say i want to read these books the CW oh, so The CW and DC has to do something for the fans and just write a couple of these stories and put them out in like a short novel. i buy it.
1: If not, honestly do a, just do a you know, a, a, a CW the Flash comic that's just a comic narrated by HR. <laughs> and that can <laughs> be so great because I mean just you can get some of the backup draw like artists out there and then just bring in your writer staff from the show and just have them just do a couple panels and just be done with it. I mean, we've seen them do comic art in the past for the shows. Yeah. So I think it would be great, even if it was a little filler in in the back of a book. So
2: I would yeah. love to see it. Uh, I want to start this conversation off by one little thing that bothered me from this episode. Actually, there were two things that bothered me, but I'll start off with one of them. Um, Barry is a horrible teacher. And <laughs> I, I will preface this with what makes me think this. Uh, in the beginning of the episode, when they're catching the guys after the car chase and they meet the busload of cheerleaders, uh, and Wally takes a picture with them, what happened to vibrating your face so nobody can tell your I identity? the same
1: thing. Oh, that bothered or, me. So oh, much. actually, there's the other part of it, too, is uh, as they're speaking, I was like, so what's the play? Uh, he's like, so w- w- which, you know, sorry, my brain is not there. <laughs> uh, like, so how are we going to handle this? He's like, He's like, I've got a plan, but I'm not going to tell you it. We're just going to start running. <laughs> um, and I'm like, wait, if I was Wally, I'd just be like, huh? I, I, so you just want me to keep running forward and you're going to do something. But I'm going to not have any idea what that is. Exactly. Um,
2: so. But that whole thing, like with him just taking pictures with the cheerleaders, uh, Barry used to hide his face from everybody. Mm-hmm. Like what happened yeah. to this? Yeah. I I don't know where that happened, and Barry's just sitting there smiling. No, you jackass! Tell him to stop. Like this is you're giving him a risk of letting his his identity out there.
0: Wally's face is more obvious. He's just like a, a mask, basically. I mean, yeah, that was bad coaching, Barry. Bad yeah, job, but. exactly. Yeah.
2: Um, but let's talk. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the the episode. What are some of the highlights? I mean, we saw obviously this is a big gypsy episode and i mean the highlight of this episode is on cisco it, there's no doubt about it
1: yeah. yes all right i'm gonna get the only other problem out of this out of the way and then we can just gush over the gypsy cisco <laughs> uh you know vibe fight um so when that fight does indeed end i know we're jumping well ahead here so everything goes into play you know and you know vibe knocks gypsy down and it's kind of like okay well the fight's done, and I'm like, huh? She was in it for the death, man. I'm like, you just stopped her, and she's on the ground, and she's like, I give. And I'm like, and I kind of stopped, paused the TV, and I'm like, huh? What just happened here? I was like, did, did I just miss part of the fight? I mean, it, it just felt weird. I don't know why. I mean, I did watch the episode twice, and the second time didn't bother me quite as much. But when that fight did come to an end, it was a very kind of abrupt end that kind of left me feeling a little bit like I wanted a lot more. Um, but still in the grand scheme of things, that's just a nitpick to something that was just awesome. It's absolutely awesome.
2: Um, okay. So while we're getting our, our gripes out now, I will get my other one out now, and this is jumping back towards the beginning of the gypsy storyline. And this is something that I think the writers may have missed. And if, if not, and it was addressed, please tell me I was under the impression that hr was using technology to hide his face how did gypsy know this was harrison wells because the holographic image she shows in the teaser at the end is hr it's not the new face so how if he was hidden from public view did she know this was hr
1: well i think it's it, it's you think about it the way that vibe works like they all like you know, vibrate at different frequencies based on the earth you're from so when she picked up the coin at you know CC Jitters, she could tell who touched it, and that was very much HR. I mean, because that's just something that tricks somebody's you know you know you know personal you know perception of things, and you would think that she would have access or ways around that kind of tech from their Earth because we have no idea how Earth nineteen works. So I think that's the one thing that I can see the nitpick of definitely, but I think it's just a factor of. You view it the way that we dealt with stuff on Earth, too, where, you know, Vibe was trying to do stuff there, and it didn't work that way because he doesn't vibrate on that frequencies. So, so she I could almost maybe,
2: sense his frequency.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably what it is, because if she has the same power set as Vibe does, it would make a lot of sense for her to be able to find somebody from her Earth, relatively simply, if there's only one person on this entire planet that is vibrating at her frequency.
2: Okay. Uh, so. All right, so let's jump into the good stuff. Uh, where do we start? Earth nineteen just wants our coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: um, yes. I think that's it. that's that's the real true lesson of uh, of this episode. This is Earth nineteen is here to steal our coffee. Um, but now I gotta say, and let's just let's just dive into it. Holy crap! We went to Earth two, Earth thirty eight, and I don't know what that Most last far. place was. Yeah, Most seriously. Um, but my brain immediately wanted to think of two places. Um, my brain was saying, is this Apocalypse?
2: Is that was this my a, first
1: thought. Is this a fire pit of Apocalypse? Or are we in the realm of Trigun? I was really not sure. Uh, there is that photo out there of what looks like a cloaked figure in the background. And that could be one of two people. That could definitely be somebody from the realm of Trigun. Or it could be Desad, Who knows? Uh, so yeah, lots of questions on that one. And I'm really kind of curious and wonder if they're ever going to touch on that one again. Uh,
2: yeah, agreed. And we now find out too, we were curious about it last week, uh, when we saw Miss Tessmacher's name in the credits. Uh, now we know how all is. is made clear. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but you're right. That fight between Cisco and, um, and, uh, and, and, uh, Gypsy was amazing. Just going from all the different Earths to just constantly moving through the portals like that was—it's probably one of my favorite fights of this show so far, and it doesn't involve Barry.
1: I think actually, out of any of these shows, that was one of my favorite fights. It was so unique, and I never thought they would do something like that. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um. Um, Go ahead. Oh, and uh, vibe in full costume, Uh, first time ever on the show, and it looked identical so it looked so good i uh, loved every second of it that's when i'm break breakdancing i was like please if you start breakdancing that will be done uh, uh, <laughs> season uh, is finished i'm good wrap it uh-huh. up i was like yeah best best season ever it was only 11 episodes long but it was the best season they've ever had just because vibes breakdancing in his costume
2: <laughs> um i don't know about the rest of you guys but by the end of the episode uh i wanted Gypsy Jim- to come back
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would love to see her come back. And, I mean, hey, she was, uh, memory serves correctly, she was on the Teen Titans or the Titans, one of the two, I can't remember. But uh, I would love to see that uh, maybe we'll see some big kind of team-ups down the road.
2: Yeah. So, um, I will say, outside of the Gypsy storyline, one of my favorite moments, because we did see a lot with Iris this week. Um, We got to see certain moments where Iris she knows where her death is and unfortunately it's made her almost fearless um you know she thinks because she knows the future she still can't die and we see her literally walk right up to the muzzle of a gun and thinking you know saying like i I know my time is not now Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's no way to think because she could still die i mean as as barry has told her time and time again you know the futures we're changing the future you anything can still happen at this point so it's it's not it's kind of a bad mindset to take
0: yeah um, that's very I true feel like this was i feel like this was the best iris though that i've seen in maybe the whole series is her can i don't know just her fearlessness her her brashness I, I really feel like candace Patton really nailed it down this episode i was like yeah iris i I feel you, you know, you have some, some balls to yourself, you know, I don't know, it was, she wasn't just like a side attraction, she felt like she was a legitimate part of Team Flash for the first time in a long time, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it too, because it was a nice kind of combination of the version we saw of Iris West from Flashpoint, and a little bit of the Earth 2 Iris kind of rolled into one, and if that's the Iris we're going to get from here on out, give me more, I, I'm I'm yeah. good with it. I mean, I love Candace Patton on the show. I think she does an exceptional job. But I love seeing her step it up and actually be a little something more than just Barry's, you know, call to home when he needs it. The fact that they're doing something with her, I think it's great. And I love the fact that she's not, it's not this whole, I'm afraid to die. She's like, no, I just want to leave my mark. And I think that's a great angle to make this character and just not a, a weak background character and a plot device. So...
2: Yeah, uh, I will say too. She was part of one of my other favorite moments of the show, uh when her and Wally were in the police station, and she was <laughs> talking to Joe, <laughs> and kind of gave Joe a little bit of the pregnancy scare. Uh, yeah, just his reaction to that. I I was I was laughing a lot at that because I thought that was a great interaction between her and uh and Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Good old Jesse. Oh, Papa Joe. Yep. Papa yeah, well, So, um
1: but yeah, I, I it was it was uh, just a it, it laugh out like, you know, out loud moment on that show and it was great to see that have so much fun with it. But uh I guess the big thing though we got to get to now is the uh kind of connects to, you know, Jax's uh prophecy here and his thought process and theories. But uh it's not going to be Barry that's going to try to save Wally or not Wally uh, Iris, but Wally's going to be the one because he's just getting faster and faster.
2: Yeah, but you know what? In in all honesty, like I'm, I, and it's Jackson. Obviously, it's nothing against you. Uh, oh yeah, you know we all have our theories, but I'm kind of going away from this theory a little bit. And the main premise behind that is I'm kind of leaning more towards Cisco being the one who betrays them. Uh, and the main reason behind that is is we find out that the Vibe powers can stop a speedster. Uh Cisco is seeing that for the first time. So I think this is something that is going to kind of play a part in the future of this show. So I'm leaning more towards Cisco being the one that betrays them. Um,
1: I could see that uh, as possible, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to actually side with our guests still. I, I'm actually believing that more and more because that big focal point that we've been getting since, since Wally's had a speed is just being faster and faster and faster and wanting to be the fastest uh and they keep focusing on him being kind of the idea of him becoming the fastest we also saw a very uh you know let's not forget very early on this season when he didn't have his speed he was obsessed with it like he was obsessed with becoming a speedster and i'm not entirely sure that part of him is gone so true
2: that obsessive nature could still be there
1: yeah and it's because he's got what he needs but I have a feeling he's going to do something really reckless, that he's going to get benched because of it. Um, because I just think that's in his nature a little bit right now. I mean, we've been seeing him kind of play good uh, and play really well with the team in the last couple episodes, but, you know, he also shows that he, he wants to do things his way a little bit, too. I mean, we saw that back in Invasion. We saw that you know, in the not this episode, but the episode before. I mean, he seems like if he feels like it's the right thing to do, he's going to do it. And I think he may overstep his bounds once or twice. Still, that might push him in the opposite direction. And I could see that pushing him into that realm of, well, I'm going to prove I'm, I have a reason to be here. I am the fastest one. This is why I can do this. And uh, becoming obsessed with becoming able to defeat Savitar, leading him to becoming Savitar, would be a really... It would be that moment that Barry realizes he failed at being a teacher. It gives Barry a lesson in the process. So I could see that tie things in nicely. And it's that whole idea of somebody he's putting all of his trust into, which is a theme of the show um, since it started. Every time Barry puts his trust into somebody, they ultimately end up kind of letting him down. And it would kind of ring true to what we got in season one and season two. If Wally was the one that did that to him.
2: Yeah, well, we would also know too that if that were the case, and it is, you know, Wally that goes rogue, and uh, you know, it's because of we would know. And again, bookending this whole conversation, it's because Barry's a horrible teacher. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but hey, one person we didn't talk about though—we got more Tom Felton this week. Yes, oh, He's so good? Julian was so. Yes, yeah, I thought
0: he. I thought he was. I thought he. Besides Cisco, I thought he, he stood out the this episode. I really thought he did a great job.
2: Yeah, he's turning. He's turning into a very valuable member of that team, and I, I'm so glad that he is a part of that team because he adds such a different dynamic to the ensemble, and and it works so well. Especially, you know, opposite Cisco, and uh, you know, even we haven't really seen many interactions with him in HR yet, but I have a feeling they're going to be just as good as as uh, as him and Cisco because you know, it's it's almost like. I almost compare it to Cisco and Earth Two Wells in that they have a mutual respect for each other, but they kind of rib each other a little bit. Yeah, at, yeah but, he
1: does feel like he's filling the hairy role. Yeah, yes. uh, yeah,
2: a little bit. So I, I'm I'm enjoying it as well. I think that's a a great dynamic that I, I can't wait to see more of. Indeed. So uh, one final thing I want to mention too before we move on to Legends Legos. of Tomorrow, uh, <laughs> Legos. <laughs> Yeah, they're
1: a little mock-up of the city in Lego. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Why am I an astronaut?
2: (laughs) Uh, But no, I was going to say, by the end of this episode, we realize that uh, this version of Wells uh, is here to stay. He's not going back like the other, Mm. like, Earth 2 Harrison Wells. So it's, this one's, unless they kill him off somehow this one's gonna be here for a while which I think would play a very interesting role if Earth two wells and um, Jesse do come back at any point we get well, to we see, yep coming. and we get to yes. do uh we get to see Tom Cavanaugh play double duty which is gonna be awesome so good so uh but any final thoughts on the flash before we move on to legends
0: give me more <laughs> yep agreed I'll take Let's take all the
1: episodes. So <laughs> all to me
2: now. Let's just do a Netflix kind of thing and just put them all up at one time. You know, we'll binge um, them later. us uh, the shortest
1: <laughs> seasons for us ever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll record them all in like two weeks and then just spread them out every week. Uh, but let's move on to Legends of Tomorrow, Season 2, Episode 10, titled The Legion of Doom. The legends must find the Spear of Destiny before they can rescue Rip, while Malcolm and Damien realize that Thawne is pitting them against each other. Um, so, as we mentioned, we, I think we all gave this one a legend across the board. Well deserved, right from the start, when we get Damien Dark doing the opening monologue of the show. Uh the moment I heard his voice start the opening monologue, I was like, yep, I'm in. Yeah. I- I'm automatically in. And then we get the logos of them into the logo of the show. It's all about the Legion of Doom. and But they're still not a complete Legion of Doom yet.
1: Yeah, but they are up by one more member uh, at the end of this episode.
2: They are? Yeah. Rip Hunter. Well, and I do have a note about that. And it makes me... I'm curious, and we'll just jump right to it, because it is the end of the episode where we see him assassinate George Washington. It makes me wonder, is this him under the influence because he does have his accent back, which we'd have to assume he is back to being Rip again at this, or is this a previous version of Rip that we're seeing? Because Uh, it's it's the accent that really throws me, because if this is the version of rip that we know now the one that doesn't have his memories would he have his british accent
1: well he's got his memories but they showed thawne tweaking his brain and changing a few things and they just kind of rewired him so i don't know if he you know rip exactly has a, a second backup somewhere in hiding but i mean just the fact that you know they they were very clear showing thawne change his brain basically um And I I, I think it would be kind of awesome that we're not going to get maybe just one legend going rogue, but now a second. That could change everything for the rest of the season, and I want to see it. I really want to see it, because now seeing the team have to deal with Snart, but having them have to deal with Rip in that way is just kind of terrifying for them. And it makes that threat that much more.
2: Okay, yeah, I, I you know what? Until you said it, I really didn't consider him as another member of the Legion of Doom, but now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of like the idea. Yeah. Um, you know, because it keeps Rip into the mix and definitely adds a different dynamic and really tests the boundaries of what this team has accomplished and what they have learned without him. Mm-hmm. So, which I think is a good dynamic. Um, now they're going up against it, so. Yes, you know, the now they're going up against everything that they've they've come to know uh but one of my favorite parts of this episode is and i said this last week and uh, you know it's the interaction between john Barrowman and neil mcdonough as you know as damian dark and Malcolm merlin is so good um and what i loved about this is the fact that yes these guys are evil these guys are the legion of doom but one thing you always see like in movies and cartoons and things like that is you know, in the Legion of Doom in the original Just you know, Super Friends cartoon is all these guys are villains and they and they all get along with each other. Let's be real. In real life, if villains got together, they're not gonna get along. They're gonna bump heads. Somebody wants to be in charge. And we got a lot of that this episode, and I loved it.
0: Yeah, I love the infighting. The bickering was I mean, I just can't expect them to dawn a show and be like, You fools these was <laughs> yeah. happening. You know? Yeah. It seemed...
1: <laughs> um It it did give me a lot of thought process to the Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Legion of Doom episodes, because there was so much backstabbing in those cartoons, Uh, when we've got, like, what, two, three versions of the Legion of Doom in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, and man, it felt like that here, I loved it, I want more episodes like this, it was so great to see a big change of pace.
2: Yeah. Yeah. so, yeah, so the interaction between the two of them, and I think I said, I think this is what I, I led to that I said last week. It's so interesting watching the interactions between the two of them and just feeling how evil their characters are and like how this evil makes them bump heads. When in real life, these two guys are two of the nicest guys you will ever meet, and it's just a weird reaction watching the two of them together, and it makes you realize how brilliant these two actors are at playing this role. And playing these roles. So I'm, I'm absolutely loving the interaction between the two of these guys. But um, I want to... see, now I don't know where to go with this. Um, what are some other people's thoughts on... I'll turn it over to you guys since my head kind of scrambled
1: there for a second. <laughs> Jax, why don't you jump in and take this?
0: <laughs> I just love their pettiness. I, like when they were in there with Rip and they were like... Well, I'm the, from the League of Assassins. Well, I'm from the League of Assassins, and it's like, well, I can do this. It just, it was so, it was so funny, but so at the same time, it was so brilliant. It was like, it just it led to a great fight scene. It led from this, these children basically bickering, just like, oh, these guys are badasses. I forgot they had these badass swords, and they're, you know, outside of their arguing, like, oh, you know, it was, it was, it was very, very cool. I thought, it's like I it's like a Saturday morning cartoon. I loved it. It was. You know, I thought it was really, really good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, too, just the fact that we got the reasoning, and we gotta we gotta dive into this, because how do we talk about this without talking about the elephant in the room? But the, <laughs> <Yeah>. reasoning, <laughs> the reasoning for Reverse Flash having them in the mix, and why he turned them into his errand boys was finally revealed, and that's because we found out Reverse Flash is just a time remnant, and he needs to solidify himself. And the only way to do that is to change reality, which is why they need the Spear of Destiny, which all of a sudden makes a lot more sense and why is he running away all the time is because the Black Flash is fucking after him and the Dominus Flash Amazing was that to see.
2: Uh, I was oh, thrilled yeah. as hell to see it. I again a little disappointed that it wasn't Teddy Sears, but it was done CGI, the CGI looked amazing on the character, and it was done so well that like I, I said,
1: it, Jurassic Flash, Tyrannosaurus <laughs> Flash, whatever you want to call him, he
0: felt scary. Uh, he felt like he felt like this this impending Jason Michael Myers doom that was coming. It was they did it so good.
2: Yeah, yeah. So and I'm I'm very curious to see um, where this is going to go from this point on because we know they didn't stop him. Obviously, they only slowed him down. So I'm very curious when he's going to pop up again and in what fashion, because I think we're going to see him on the flash as well. Are we not?
1: Yeah, we are. Uh, they said we're we're seeing him in multiple shows this season alone. So it makes you wonder who is he going to be after on the other side of the spectrum? Uh, is he going after Barry because Barry allows to fuck with time. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, is he going to go after Savitar? Is he going to go after Wally? Um, and then we get to see him deal with the reverse flash. And uh, I think we're going to see... When they said we're going to see a lot of this this character in the background, the, I, after that just, what, five minutes, ten minutes, I will happily, happily and eagerly wait for his next appearance on the show because you fear that character in those just few minutes of on-screen he had, and I am so excited to see it. Yeah.
0: yeah. I bet he destroys Avatar, I bet that Which would be this most epic ending to a season, if that's what happens, is, you know, burying them or do whatever the Savitar, and then the, the impending doom sound starts and Black Flash shows up and it's like, holy shit, that's what I'm talking about.
2: Well, that's one of the things we haven't seen happen yet either, is I want to see what actually happens to a speedster when he is yeah, caught by the Black Flash.
0: The Reaper of Flashes, yeah, the Reaper of Speedsters. I, I, oh, I can't even imagine, I bet it'd be so badass.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because we saw. I mean, you know, last season at the end of last season, we saw the creation of the Black Flash. So I, I want to see now what happens when yeah. somebody is caught by the Black Flash. So
1: yeah, um, this is. I it's. I I'm, it's one of those things. As I'm left speechless because I'm just kind of in awe of what they did. And uh, it was when they introduced us to the time rates. It was like that was so unique and new to the Flash mythos. But now that they're giving us the real goods. You're like, that was even better than I could have ever imagined seeing. And they're successfully on these shows are showing things we never thought we would ever see. And they're doing it with such just justice to the material.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it, going over to my, my interview with Teddy Sears earlier this week, I mentioned, you know, I, I said to him, I was like, you know, we've we've since seen Black Flash return. You know, what, if, what capacity, if they brought you back, would you have come back? You know, if they found a way to bring you back in some capacity, would you come back? And he's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. He's like, but hang on a second. He's like, when did this motherfucker show back up? Because he knew at some <laughs> point they were going to talk. They, they wanted to bring him back. They actually approached him for the role. And in some form or capacity, but unfortunately, due to a shooting schedule, he could do it. Uh, And I'll I'll go into, I'll tell you a little bit more about the interview with Teddy Sears a little bit later. But yeah, he was just, talking to him about the character was just a a super great amount of fun. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with this character in the future. And I can tell you right now, I've already cosplayed as Jay Garrick. I think I found my new dream cosplay. If I could find a way to get the makeup done and cosplay uh, as Black Flash...
1: how you doing that's
2: right you could do that makeup for yeah me.
1: uh-huh i just yes, gotta I put can. the
2: costume together
1: yes i can Martin i uh, right actually one thing that you guys probably don't know about me that i've never brought up is i actually do uh sci-fi makeup and horror makeup for fun so uh so yeah if uh if we, could, we could do dueling black flashes maybe Oh, <laughs> well, that would be awesome so it um, wouldn't be difficult
2: Another thing that we gotta talk about in this episode, and this kind of goes into the Easter egg I mentioned a little bit early on, is you know, there's a big uh storyline plot in this involving Stein and his daughter. And it, it's revealed to his daughter that she is a um a time apparition. And I gotta say right off the bat, um for the first time in the the run of this show, uh Mick Dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like He's told flat out by Stein, don't mention anything. And he intentionally brings it up. Like, I I, I kind of felt weird getting this side of Mick. He is very dickish. Like, to, for him to do this intentionally, I kind of felt like it was almost a little... Nah, it's not out of character. I take that back.
1: It's not. It, but, it's Mick.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, but it still felt a little weird.
1: It, it still wouldn't happen, though. He's like, crap. It, it more or less felt like he knew he was not supposed to say it. And he was thinking about not saying it, and he said it. And he's like, "Well, shit. Oh well, Cat's out of the bag." Yeah, I tried.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of reminder how it that,
1: felt. that Mick is
0: an asshole. I think it was like, "Oh, we like Mick. He's good." He's like, oh, never mind, he's an asshole. Yeah. I forgot very briefly, but I remember now.
2: And maybe yeah. that's what that is. Maybe that was just a way to kind of remind the audience, like, he's he's still a dick. Yeah, <laughs> he's just a he- lovable dick
1: yeah, yeah. And, and that's okay you know what i think it's fine but it was a really nice sweet moment between lily and martin uh on the wave rider and i, I i'm very happy that they finally brought got a chance to bring that back up and you kind of got to see the team deal with the fallout of all that but you know this being the show that it is uh you know all is forgiven and uh we we move forward but yeah it was uh, I ask it, a
0: question it, guys yeah uh, 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 yeah I'm sorry to interrupt um Okay, when Stein was talking to his daughter, and I, I don't know if it's just conditioning of things, but when he when got to the end, he was like, well, I guess this is goodbye. Did that not have a weird sense of finality? I, I don't know if that was just me. I watched it twice, and it was and I was like, that, that, that was really odd phrasing for him to say goodbye. I don't know if that's just that's being conditioned to the word goodbye being very final, but I thought that was really weird wording. I don't know. If, maybe it's just me.
1: Um, actually, I don't think I really thought of it too much, but no, I feel like I have to go back and watch it. Again. Damn you! I have other shit I need to watch, but now I'm gonna have to go back and watch that scene. So,
2: um, but, but I want to yeah. go. I want to go to my Easter egg real quick, uh, and I want to see if anybody else noticed this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the particular scene where um, Stein's daughter says to Ray, "Do you have any champagne?" And they go to the synthesizer and they synthesize a bottle of ah, champagne. Did anybody funny. else notice the name of the oh, champagne? I don't know
1: the guggenheim champagne guggenheim (laughs)
2: champagne a nice homage to mark guggenheim
1: yeah so very nice
2: yes so uh
0: uh, arrow i guess they cannot make american cheese american cheese cannot be synthesized Uh, because it's it's
1: purely it's it's pretty much synthesized already
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah let's move into the final show then this week and we'll talk about arrow in which we have Arrow season 5 episode 11 titled Second Chances Talia al Ghul helps Oliver take down Kovar but he isn't sure he wants it when she reveals what she requests in return um so obviously the big uh, cat out of the bag is uh Tina Boland who becomes you know who we find out is the uh as the sonic cry. She is the woman that we saw in the teaser at the end of last week's episode. But I want to jump to the beginning. Um, when they're listing the candidates that they are trying to pitch to Oliver, I did a little research, and I wanted to see if any of these people were actually nods to other people in the DC Universe. And I couldn't find anything. I was wondering if anything stuck out to anybody else.
1: No, nah, I was looking for it, and I didn't see anything yeah, that really jumped out. But it was kind of like even where they had, uh, uh, you know, Regan kind of been like, "Hey, you know, this character who or this person who's this, this, and this." No in actuality, she's just a school teacher. Uh, but you know, I, I think it was kind of like they were just kind of this grabbing names at random points. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe those are people on the staff, something like that. I'll have to do a little bit digging, but none of those names rung a bell for DC characters to me. So.
2: Okay, that just goes to show you how how much we've come to overanalyze things in these shows. You know, we see these listing of characters. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's somebody. I wonder if that's somebody. Um, but one of the other things I loved about this episode, and I know I gave this one a legend. Um, uh, one of the other things I liked about this episode is the fact that it intertwined the Flash without using the Flash. And, and I say that as in we saw the Flash kind of rush in in what I thought was a great moment of the show. Um, you know, when he goes into the police station and drops the post-it note just saying he's legit like i thought that was fantastic um but we didn't see grant gustin you know we didn't see the the actual face of the flash and i don't think we really needed to uh, you know it was mm-hmm. a great way to involve uh, you know central city Cap- and and captain singh yeah and captain singh and star labs and all of it without actually using any of the characters of the show which i thought was very i, I thought it utilized it well
1: yeah it did and we, we got to play in Hub City for a little bit, no question, but hey, still we got to play in Hub City. So, nice little change of pace. Yeah, um, and we yeah, got a lot more
2: uh, Big Belly Burger, too.
1: Yeah, the first time we got inside of a Big Belly Burger. Which
2: and I... This man, those is, burgers look so good. Oh my oh, god, oh, do they? so bad. <laughs> and this
1: is where my line of the week comes from, and it's just Rene, five patties, five pieces of cheese. And then they're talking about the situation, and just, as he starts mumbling a response gives Curtis, looking over to him, your belly hurts. Of course it, your, your belly hurts. And he's like, no, Tobias Church. <laughs> uh,
2: but you know what? The one thing about Big Belly Burger, though, that kind of disappointed – well, it, did, it didn't disappoint me, but it kind of threw me a little bit is we got more of Big Belly Burger. We got to see inside of Big Belly Burger. But I always imagine Big Belly Burger being more of like a Burger King or a McDonald's. But it feels almost like a diner in, in Arrow. So it just kind of threw me that, you know, it was a different kind of feel for what the restaurant actually is, which I'm fine with. I'd still eat there. Hey,
1: you know what? It could be, a, it, it's a nasty little area, hub city. You know, it was a rundown diner and it was franchised. That's all it is. So. Very,
2: very true. I'd still eat there. And thinking about it, I'm fucking hungry for burgers right now. I haven't eaten dinner <laughs> yet.
0: Yeah, I'm okay. eating a burger when I get off here with you guys. So a Whataburger, Texas best.
2: I <laughs> oh, never had them. I, see, I, out here, I have oh. to. I'd have to go five guys.
1: Uh, we got Shake Shack. Hey, we're okay.
2: That works. <laughs> All right. Enough about burgers. I'm freaking hungry. <laughs> um, we we do find out in this episode. Um, there's a lot of uh, it, we. It feels this episode, if anything, it, more than any other episode, feels like now we're finally heading towards the finality of the of the flashbacks. Um, we got to see Talia, but we now know that because of Talia, we, we now know how Oliver gets his bow and his and the original Green Hood that we see him in when he's back on the island at the beginning of the, the, the show in, in yeah. the first season. So it feels like for the first time out of all of these crossovers, the arc is now dropping and we're now finally starting to come around full circle to where we started. And this is the first time we're getting that feeling and I'm enjoying it because I, we have said that we have been enjoying the flashbacks of this season, but we're now getting the wrap up. We're now starting to head towards the end game. As far as these flashbacks go.
1: Mm -hmm. We got, we had the book brought back to the table. You have a mission. This is what it is. It's been given to you for a long time. Get off of your ass and get to it, you know? Um, and I love the fact that Talia is his last teacher. Um, it it feels a little weird though too because we know of her connection and we know who she is and it makes you wonder if he's gonna find out who she really is because when he was introduced to Rachel Ghoul, that felt like a brave new world for him at that time and now we know that's not the case so kind of a little confusing on that end but um you know it kind of makes me feel like there's a point in time I'm gonna have to go back and look at season one and when they start dropping names like that. Uh, Because I think the first time we hear that is from Malcolm Merlin in the later back half of season one, so it's a a big wait and see on how that ties into the mix.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I do want to say too that one of the other things I enjoyed about this is the stunt work in this episode, Uh, the rooftop scene at the end. uh, I really enjoyed. I loved like the helicopter stunt work between you know with Oliver or Arrow or Green Arrow at that point uh, on the helicopter. So that was another. This this show has never shied away from the awesome fight scenes and the awesome um, uh, choreography that they have as far as the fights go. So this was another episode that I, I really did enjoy that, that came out of this episode.
0: Indeed. I love that fight scene with, with um, Oliver, too. The, the flashback fight scene, I thought it was very well done.
2: Oh, the... Um, uh, I'm trying to... I know exactly what scene you're talking about, and I'm trying to... With... Uh, uh, my mind is blanking.
0: Talia sent him outside, and there was a bunch of, I guess goons. I don't know what they were, but whoever choreographed that fight scene did an amazing job. So
2: that's oh, the scene yeah. where she tells you know where he criticizes her for storming a castle with just a bow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, beautifully done. Yes.
1: Yeah. No, I gotta say, yeah, the flashbacks have been great. Loving every second of them. Um, one thing I'm not liking still, though, is again. <sighs> five seasons this is like the fourth black canary do we really need to keep doing this um and it just feels like it's getting lazier and lazier and lazier you need a new black canary in every season we've had sarah lance we've had laura lance we had artemis for a moment then we had black siren now we have tina boland slash dina drake
2: um <sighs> to be fair we never had black siren as, as canary
1: no, but uh, it, I mean, like it does kind of I, separate. I, it, it does separate, but still, we're still talking four in five seasons,
2: and, and I don't. I still, and I don't think we're done, to be honest.
1: I don't either. And I, ah, uh, why do they keep doing this? <laughs> I am so fucking frustrated by them doing this. I don't get it. I love. I mean, and I will say this: I was watching the episode. The Tina Boland character, and they said when they said, "Hey, Dinah Drake," and I'm like, "Oh, that's clever. I mean, that's actually a nice little touch. Uh, she de- definitely felt like uh, many iterations of Black, you know, Black Canary over in the, in the in the past. You know, the Dinah Drake name is obviously not lost on me. It's um, you know, as you know, New Fifty Two, the Black Canary. You know, she went by Dinah Drake, uh, or commonly just referred to as Dee. Dee. But, uh I don't know what I think about this. I really don't know what I think about this. And it feels like, you know, there's that Black Siren Redemption arc that really feels like it's getting set up, as you just kind of nodded to, saying it, we're not done with this. Uh, and then there's the question of what happens if they kill, you know, Damian Dark uh, in some time in the future before he achieves what he's supposed to. And he's killed a second time. Um, does the other Laurel come back? I mean, it, it, now we're getting into weird territory and I, I just feel like they just need to stay locked onto an idea instead of just constantly playing with this idea of because, well, Laurel said it when, on her deathbed to make sure this doesn't, you know, she's not the last of uh, the ones who hold that moniker. And it just feels like they're now trying to dig out of the hole that they've created for themselves. And I don't think this is where the show should be focusing its time right now. It should be continuing building Prometheus as this big, nasty, big bad. Instead of let's find a new black canary because of course we need another one. So uh, I just really didn't like it. Left a really bad. forgot about mouth. Prometheus. <laughs> that's, yeah. So seems like
0: he's been a, a forgotten thought, Prometheus. I don't know. I, um, yeah, I don't like Tina Boland. I just don't like the character. I don't know something. I don't know something bothers me wrong. I, and you, I, you, maybe because they're trying to force her into being black canary, Maybe that's what's bothering me. I just don't. I don't like her. She's not very likable.
1: Um, y- you know who she would have been an amazing version of because they tried it, this character on the show? Man, that would have made she would have made an amazing huntress. She would have made yes. a great Helena Bertinelli if she had that edge perfectly. And it would have worked. And they're trying to shoehorn her into a character that people already love. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I feel feel that direction
2: it's it's getting to be it's, it's looking very obvious that tina Bolin, uh aka Dinah drake is going to become the next iteration of black canary uh i think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves though she hasn't officially become black canary as of yet uh it, i'm not saying that to say that she's not going to be i i'm fully believe she's going to become black canary um but and out of all the iterations that we've seen so far again i think I'm saying that I don't think we've seen the end of this. I think still going to be seeing one more because there is that overhanging, uh, you know, Black Siren Redemption arc that we haven't even touched base on yet, uh, in which she could become the final iteration of Black Canary, but because she is technically still Laurel Lance uh, or Dinah Lance, depending on which version that you're going with. So, I but out of all the iterations that we've gotten so far, I kind of disagree in that I think Tina Bolin, or AKA Didi, is. I think she's the best version we've gotten so far because out of – she has the actual Canary Cry, which is – we know she's a metahuman. She has it more focused than anybody else has. She has hand-to-hand combat training. Out of anybody who's ever fit that, you know, who's ever fit that personality, she's the best fit for it. And I think, if anything else for the show, she kind of has her own Rimsian story coming to her in which, you know, she – very similar to pr- other characters in in comic book lore. She's, you know, Robin being one of them in particular, at least from the Batman movies that the horrible Schumacher versions, um, you know, she, she realized killing somebody didn't give her the satisfaction that she needs. So now she needs to step up and, and do some good with her life to make up for it. So I kind of feel like if they stopped with Tina Bowen, that's the proper fit. Uh, you guys could disagree with me, but I th- I think out of anybody who's ever held the mantle of Canary, I think she's the best fit.
1: I mean, I do think she is a fairly comic accurate version of the character, or close to. I think she feels like the closest that we've we've seen on this show personally right now. Um, but I, I think I'm just getting tired of the revolving door of Black Canaries. Um, it, it's just it's too many and too short of, of amounts of seasons at this point. So it doesn't feel like it's earned anymore. It just feels like, oh, well, I guess you're going to be the next one. And if they decide to bump you off or you leave the show for another project, we're just going to have another. It just it keeps feeling because something tells me they're still not done with Katie Cassidy in that role. And it just feels like, why are we going to continue this revolving door if we're going to go back to where most of the fans want it? It, it seems odd. It just seems like it's a, an unnecessary wrinkle in the legacy of this character on the show at this point and i'm not quite sure i i'm I, I, well i'm not no it's just i'm just i know i don't like it
2: okay i mean fair enough again that you know it was just my my personal on this is i think I, oh I think and this again this is, you know
1: and this is just mine as well i mean like i not none of us are ever going to be writing this because it's this is all of this stuff is opinion based uh but yeah it still just drives me a little bonkers
2: <laughs> wait this is opinion based i thought we were speaking on fact
1: Oh, shit. We got to stop the show, shouldn't I we? I know. We got to start over.
2: <laughs> Damn it, Jackson.
1: Sorry, I thought I was dropping facts all night.
2: My bad. Huh? <laughs> I apologize. Uh, so, any. Oh, well, let's talk about Adrian Chase a little bit um, because we're seeing more and more of him show himself uh, as an ally uh, to this team. We They don't yet know who each other is. You know, Oliver obviously doesn't know that he is vigilante. He does. Adrian doesn't know that Oliver is Arrow, is the Green Arrow. So, uh, but I'm liking Adrian Chase's character more and more as we go through. I don't know if it's just because he's been helping the team and he's the reason why Diggle is getting out. Uh, But as far as this episode goes, I I really his character grew me a little bit more this episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, I'm I'm really liking what we've been shown of him right now, and I think it's going to be interesting when that whole vigilante versus green arrow part three happens um when that moment happens and they actually find out who each other are i think we're gonna see a nice little twist and change on how this is gonna function. so
2: yeah but now it's just a question and a matter of time as to when are we going to see more prometheus indeed so uh but looking ahead at next week's episode uh i still don't know uh, yeah, it still doesn't look like we're going to see any Prometheus. As uh, a mission sends Team Arrow to Russia, where Oliver encounters an old friend. So, uh, no Prometheus again next week. So I don't know where we're uh, where we're going. Or how long it's going to be until we see uh, until we see Prometheus once again into the uh, into the mix. Yep. So, uh, any final thoughts on Arrow before we uh, we get ready to start wrapping things up?
1: well we got hacktivist olicity well not olicity sorry uh uh felicity i don't know where my again concussion sorry uh <laughs> but yeah hacktivist felicity back again and uh yeah i'm sure that's just going to keep going playing out but nothing really big to even talk about there except apparently every hacktivist in this world all is plucky and wears glasses. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, we got and we, Curtis. We, Curtis nailed this new girl and then Felicity.
2: Yeah, so. and we also find out that the, now there is an actual organization of hackers out there called Helix. So we don't know which way they're going to play in, but I did research them a little bit. And they actually are a little callback to an old uh, comic book from the 90s from DC called, yeah. uh, titled Helix. So um, it'll be interesting to see where where that storyline plays out with uh, with Felicity and with Helix and how they play a part in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but let's get ready to wrap things up and we're going to move on to uh, our recommendations for the week. I think that's where we're going with this, right? It's my yep. Okay, I I just wanted to make sure.
1: Re- news, and uh, recommendations. news
2: and recommendations. So, Rob, I'll turn it over to you for a minute. And I know there's not a lot of news stories out there, but one big story we did talk about on um, the Facebook page, which did strike up a little bit of a conversation. So we'll turn it over to you for the news.
1: Okay, well, we'll save that one to the bitter end. But the first thing I want to talk about is in the movie universe, not the story everybody's ready to talk about, but... First reviews for Lego Batman movie are in, and everybody says it is fucking awesome. So go see it as soon as that movie does come out. I am so pumped. But a couple of quick ones I can read off for you guys real quick. One from Bleeding Cool is Without a Shadow of a Doubt. This is the best Batman movie I have ever seen. Proof that this could have made a Deadpool for kids if they actually wanted to. Uh, The Guardian comes out and saying this is basically Deadpool for juniors. Um, Lots of people saying this and saying this is just fantastic and it borrows from every single batman film iteration comic book iteration and animated series to make something uniquely its own which sounds just awesome and i cannot wait for when that does indeed drop so and it's coming out super soon i think it's this weekend maybe i forget
2: i I think so i think so
1: i believe so much is happening right now but yes i cannot wait to see this in the theater um and jumping over real quick uh, let's talk some video games real fast we'll do tv and then wrap up on the big one um so in the video game universe we did get to see two things really quick out of injustice 2 um the folks over at nether realm the fine folks that make injustice in mortal combat did show us a couple character portraits of uh One being Brainiac, the next being Robin, which is hard to tell which Robin it's supposed to be. Kind of looks like a little mix of uh, both Damian Wayne, kind of all grown up, and uh, Tim Drake, so not quite sure. A very new stealthy kind of for Bane, uh, a very uh, almost Gotham-esque looking version of a young Poison Ivy. And uh, we also got to see a full breakdown this week, or actually not this week, but late last week. Of a uh, full black canary in action, and she looks fantastic. Um, I think we are going to see over on IGN later this week, probably. i had my guess is on Thursday. Uh, they they have already have uh, some rumblings out there that the next character to be fully unveiled with a full shot of their playing style will be up as an IGN first. Uh, so make sure you check out their site probably Thursday night, if not early Friday. But uh, I'm very excited for when this game drops. I believe it is launching in May, if memory serves correctly. It's like late May. Uh, But yeah, definitely check out that video of her in uh, Injustice 2. It looks fantastic. Uh, In the TV realm, um, as we've mentioned many times in the past, the JSA is not done on the Legends of Tomorrow. We do know we will be seeing the team yet again in the episode titled Camelot. 3000 uh which is obviously a great nod to the actual book camelot 3000 unfortunately this will not have any real true ties to that book but it does take place in the year 3000 and it does take place in camelot so um so i'm very curious to see where all of this kind of mixes in but uh, my guess is uh maybe the jsa got zapped back to old camelot so it's just a wait and see that would be awesome if that is the case and it sounds like from the synopsis, and I'll even read it here for you guys real quick, the Legends continue their quest to hunt down the Spear of Destiny before the pieces fall into the hands of the Legion of Doom. The Legends discover the pieces of the Spear are in each, are each being guarded in different time periods by members of the JSA. Their first stop is the future, where they find Doctor Midnight, which eventually leads them to the past, and uh, King Arthur's Camelot, where Stargirl is protecting her piece of the Spear. In order to protect the Spear Shard from the now evil Rip Hunter, the Legends must join forces with the Knights of the Round Table. This oh. episode sounds fan. Oh
2: my god, I am such a fan of the Knights of the Round Table and King Arthur's storyline. I... Oh my god, I can't wait for this episode.
1: So it sounds like we will see maybe uh, two, uh, two locations per episode. So it sounds like we'll be in Camelot and then the year 3000. So... The two separate things is from uh, based on how that reads, but I'm very curious to see how that plays out. But that sounds fantastic. Uh, jumping over real quick, we'll uh, dive into some quick other synopses from upcoming episodes. Uh, we know uh, Mr. and Mrs. Mitsiplex is coming up soon. I won't even read the full thing, but it's just kind of just to know that things are just right around the bend. Then there is the Flash attack on Gorilla City. And then Arrow, the Sin Eater, bringing back three of the most hated characters the show has ever had, all as <laughs> villains. Those being China White, Cupid, and Lady Cop. Because no, all right. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, for
0: Cupid, no, no, no love for Cupid. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> mixed mixed bag on that one. One really no, good thumbs, appearance and one really bad one. So i down. Yes, <laughs> uh, and uh, and because we have to bring it up because it just makes our job that much more difficult. Black Lightning no longer being developed at Fox, but Greg Berlanti's Black Lightning is now headed to the yes. CW. With them, Berlanti. Oh my god, I-, I love them all, but uh, this is, this is going to be tricky because uh, we now have to figure this one out. So um, we'll-, we'll continue with Powerless as we discussed, uh, but we just know that the pilot has indeed been ordered by Warner Brothers TV and they are bringing it to CW first. So, big wait and see, but uh, as much as I'm excited that they're making this, this, this sounds super exciting. But, uh, yeah, man, CW is, uh, is, is going to become the DC TV network soon. <laughs>
2: plate,
1: you guys will be busy. Yes, we, we will. It. <laughs> yes, we will. But let's get to the, uh, the big discussion here, and that is official. Ben Affleck is not. I, de- I absolutely state, again, not directing The Batman. So, yeah, um, that kind of is uh, something we kind of saw coming, I think, from the last couple weeks. Yeah.
2: So it's, a, it's, it's really unfortunate. And I think the question now is that um, it, it, there's been some rumors that he might drop out of the role as well because of this. And I hope that's not the case because um, I know I've said it and I know a number of other people agree with me. He is the best on screen version of Batman we have gotten
1: yet. Well, they did still state from that original article, he is still s- uh, set to star and produce, but not film. Yes, uh, but th- his- but like I
2: said, since then, there has been rumors that he may drop out of the role, and I just hope that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, well, that will set DC back in a big, bad way, so... I think this they is already going to set DC back, to be honest, because yeah. you know, now you've got to take the time to find a new director, and... Of course one of the big names that was thrown out there right at first was Zack Snyder, and I immediately said fuck no.
1: Yeah. Uh okay. there is a petition to actually have him out there to take on the reins, and everybody's like, Are there a lot of stoned people in this world? And there's another the and time? there's
2: another petition that has since arrived to make sure he's not at the helm of that movie. Yes. Yeah. The so,
1: answer is obvious. Joel Schumacher.
2: <laughs> bat- <laughs> bring back the
0: batnips. It's bring back
2: over. I'll take Tim Burton over <laughs> Uh, Zack Snyder. I mean, come on. I'd take Michael Bay over Zack Snyder. And that's saying oh, a lot. Because no, no. Nah, he's already neither. ruined Transformers. Hey. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. I mean, Let's I know one of Chris
0: the... nerd things.
2: I know one <laughs> of the na- Two of the names I've heard thrown around there, and one of them has since been said that it won't be. Obviously, uh, one of the big go-tos would be Kevin Smith. Uh, which, personally, I think that could be a good choice. i um he, he's never done a movie like that before, and I, I think seeing what he has done, now granted the TV shows are a little more lighthearted in the way they are, but he obviously can hit the drama marks pretty well with, when it comes to what we saw in the, uh, in the episodes, and I, I think he could be a potential good choice for that. Now one of the other names I've seen thrown around is George Miller, uh, which if that were to happen, I think that would be amazing.
1: Yeah, I think that would actually probably be the best call out of all of these. As much as I like Kevin Smith, I, I think you're going to have a hard time convincing any major studio to back him after his last two, uh, last three films, really. Um, and that's the kind of the sad truth of it is Kevin's done some great work, but uh, most people kind of feel that since uh, he went red, St- uh, did Red State, Tusk, and then Yoga Hosers. I I can't see a lot of studios bankrolling him to do this. I think he's going to be able to get away with TV, and he does a great job over there. But I think you're going to have a hard time convincing people over at Warner Brothers to make that call.
2: Yeah. No, I've I've never seen Tusk and Yoga Hosers, but Red State was amazing.
1: Red State was very good. Tusk, I still haven't watched, and I couldn't even get through more than 15 minutes of yoga hosers, because that movie was not made for me. It, it definitely was not. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see where this is going to go, but I mean, it, it would be, no matter where they go, I just wish them the best of luck, because they still haven't found the uh, attempt for the third director on The Flash, so. Yeah. What Storm.
2: Yeah, I, I think DC is getting to a point where they're shooting themselves in the foot, and um, well, it's
1: not DC. I think it's just Warner Brothers. Well, Warner is, Brothers, yeah, it's Warner Brothers is making every mistake in, in they, they possibly can, and it's showing in not just their DC side of the slate, but I think Warner Brothers is just having a hard time in general, and uh, as far as staying relevant with the properties that they own, um, and they're grasping at straws trying to do what they can so it's it's gonna be a big wait and see and i think uh, dc may be dealing with this for quite some time and we kind of just hope maybe that they get to a point where they can they can course correct in a big way so all we can do is hope and pray but if not we've got some really great shows out there yes absolutely so uh Uh, recommendations and let's get out of here
2: yes read uh jackson we'll start with you yeah i think you did say you did bring a recommendation to the table
0: i do have one um i'll continue to preach the Gotham of Grayson or the gospel of Grayson and say, read Batman black mirror. I'm not going to say anything else about it. Read it. And you can hit me on Facebook and tell me. Thank you. It's that good. (laughs) Scott Snyder. Excellent work.
2: Jackson getting a little cocky with his recommendation. Yeah.
0: (laughs) the
1: book is so good. It's so brilliant. It it is a damn good good. book. (laughs) It is a damn good book.
2: Uh, Rob and I are going to combine our recommendation this week, and that our recommendation for this week is my interview with my co-star, my co-host Adam from the Showcast Spotlight. Earlier on this week, as I've made mention a couple of times in this issue, uh, we had an opportunity to talk to Teddy Sears. He was, um, it's funny because we reach out to a lot of reps for different television networks, and when 20 Legacy, which premiered after the Super Bowl, uh, came up. They asked us to send um, a list of names of some people we wanted to talk to. And, of course, we went for some of the big names. Jimmy Smith, the guy that plays the lead character. But at the top of our list was Teddy Sears, and mainly for The Flash, because we know who he was. And the rep came back to us and said, really? Teddy? We can get you, Teddy. We were like, well, then get us, Teddy. So uh, we had the opportunity to talk to Teddy last week, and he is an absolute fantastic guy. So down to earth. He loved the fact that he was able to curse on the podcast. So uh, not for work unless you're listening to headphones uh, using headphones. But it is a 25-minute long interview that we had with Teddy. Uh, great interview. We talked 24 legacy. We talked to flash. We talked about going to conventions and such. Uh, so a lot of fun, but you can find that on our website, next level uh, under the interviews tab or under the showcast tab one way or another, you'll find it. And, um, scroll down on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC primetime. And there is a link to it there as well. Uh, but the cool thing about it is Rob and I have to put our heads together. Uh, when Teddy found out that we do a DC podcast, uh he is very excited to come on and to join us so we sometime over the next couple of weeks we are going to do a special edition dc prime time uh where rob and i are gonna sit down and talk to teddy a little bit get some stories out of him from his time on the flash and just some of the stuff he did when he was on the show so we're definitely definitely looking forward to that
1: yeah that we get to hear him get angry about not being the Black Flash. <laughs> maybe, maybe give some pointers to the CG version of the character that he's probably angry. He's not getting a chance to play at the moment, but, um, but yeah, I can't wait to see, uh, you know, what what his thought process is uh, as far as if he's keeping up with these shows now or uh, just hearing some of his favorite stories of being on set during uh during that season. So. Yeah,
2: and he did tell me he does still talk to. Um uh jesse l martin and tom cattle and and um cisco not cisco um carlos on a regular basis so uh who knows maybe we can use some of those contacts and get one of those other guys on the podcast as well so uh so yeah so my recommendation is just go back and scroll down the facebook page check out the website and check out our interview with teddy from earlier this week cool very awesome Uh, all right cheap plugs uh, Jackson, anything that you have going on in your life that you want to promote?
0: Um, if you want to hear the ramblings of a madman discuss wrestling, football, and comics, you can follow me on Twitter, the Hero. If not, um, no man, you guys are awesome. I really appreciate you having me, so.
2: Yeah, man, we appreciate you, you being a very, um, loyal listener and loyal supporter and loyal poster on the Facebook page and uh you know this is definitely one way to reward that so uh we appreciate you as well man for being a listener for as long as you have yes
1: seriously Had thank you so much uh it, it always like i said I, I i try to bring this up as often as i can because i really believe it um getting messages from people like you saying hey thank you so much i love the show it, it makes my week better uh is sometimes all I need when I have a bad week, and when I see stuff like that, it feels fantastic. So thank you so much for reaching out to us and being part of the community and kind of being one of the leading members of the community. Um, I, I can't say thank you enough for that. It, it's, like I said, why we, we like uh, being as involved with the community as we can is because there's people like you in it.
0: You guys are... I saved my F-bomb to the end. You guys are fucking awesome! <laughs>
1: Thank you, sir.
2: <laughs> yes, appreciated greatly. Uh, Rob, your chief plug. Chief plug.
1: Uh, there is an upcoming episode probably in the next couple of days that will be up on NextLevelRadioOnline.com of The Capping Group. I apologize a couple days late for us. We uh, had that recorded before the end of the month. But uh, I have not had time to edit it due to being away over the last couple days and getting ready for a very large event. But uh, I will be editing that tomorrow night, so uh, it will probably be in Ben's hands by then. So before the end of the week, you will get a chance to check that out. Uh, We talked about the Nintendo Switch. Uh, We talked about The Last Jedi really quickly, too. And then uh, we we kind of just dove in all over the place this this week. It was a kind of a, a kind of a fun episode to dive into. So definitely check that out. It gives you a good idea of what Captain of Pods is all about, which is your monthly geekcore podcast from
2: your friends at Next Level. Um, yeah. So, uh, and as I mentioned before, to uh, the Showcast Spotlight, which is the other podcast that I am on, which is the interview podcast that we do all kinds of different celebrities. Uh, most recently, Teddy Sears and. Um, yeah, so you can check that out on the Next Level webpage, NextLevelRadioOnline.com, as well as all of the other podcasts that we host there on that page. Uh, check out the Facebook page for DC Primetime, Facebook.com slash DC Primetime, and feel free to comment, uh, like, message us about anything that you, you want to talk about. We we're, we try to be as active on the page as po- as we possibly can.
1: Mm-hmm. And then uh, also, last but not least, make sure you also head over to georgeshawmusic.com to check out, check out all of george's music that you hear on the beginning and end of this episode and all the episodes that have come before and after so
2: yay yeah uh jackson thank you once again man for joining us uh we were glad to, to have you be a part of this this week
0: thank you guys i really had a great time and don't forget jedi can be plural
2: it's <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> very <laughs> very true Jedi.
1: that's very true
2: <laughs> Very, very true. Uh, I'm not going to keep you from Monday Night Raw anymore because I'm sure you're uh, you're itching to get back. I've,
0: I've been following on Twitter, so you guys are good. Okay. All right.
2: <laughs> uh, that's going to wrap it up for this issue of DC Primetime. Next week, we'll talk about the shows once again, and we'll talk about Gotham uh, this last episode before the break. Uh, the following week, we are going to be limited on our shows where we'll talk about The Flash uh and uh supergirl and arrow not the flash uh, because flash and legends are on break for valentine's day so uh instead i think we're gonna talk a little bit justice league dark yeah i think it's time so we'll we'll, we'll both have uh, had a chance to to watch it by then
1: and we'll have powerless still so we'll be good to go very very true so next Uh, week six episodes strong yeah god
2: (laughs) oh god all right let's prepare (laughs) Uh, but All that's right. gonna wrap, that's gonna wrap it up for this issue of DC prime time. Thank you once again for listening until next time we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care.
0: Peace Bye.